Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, and welcome to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Uh, I'm Mac B, and I'm joined by Gary Action Jackson, here to talk to you about rock and roll, all things rock and roll, all things that we love, stuff we grew up with, and uh, still being made out there, uh, if you can find it. Uh, and obviously, one of the big things that's happened here recently to all of us uh, is the passing of the great Edward Van Halen. Um, and I guess I can't talk enough about his influence uh, in the 1980s on me, on rock and roll. Um, and we'll get Gary to talk a little bit about that here, here from beautiful Abbey Road. Not Abbey Road Studios, mind you, but on Abbey Road. And not right on Abbey Road, mind you, but about 40 yards off of Abbey Road uh, in a basement. Uh, and anyway, welcome. Uh, we are here to talk about rock and roll, all things rock and roll, classic rock, hard rock, heavy metal, progressive rock. Um, anything that uh, we grew up on in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, uh, and are still growing up, of course, to this day. I'm Mac B. With me is Action Jackson. Hello. That's it. That's all I have to say to the world is hello. That's it. We're done. All right. Very good. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for coming. All right. So um, I wanted to get more into Eddie to give him a proper send off. We could do some top Van Halen moments, whether it's first time you heard them or, uh, you know, what's still your favorite songs or best stories. Uh, going to see them for the first time live in Indy. Um, was was pretty big for me. I remember um, I've seen him four times. You know, I saw him twice on the Foreign Lawful Carnage Knowledge Tour, once in Indy before we went to school, um, and then once with you in the arena. Um, and then I saw them on kind of I guess they did a reunion thing in the early two thousands with Sammy, and then the last time I saw them was with Dave and Wolfie. That that means I never saw. The original Van Halen. If, if there was, if, if uh, because you know Michael Anthony wasn't in the band when we when it's on the last right. Time. Um, but, but I may have seen them with Dave twice. I don't know. How about you? Was it? Was, did you see them just the one I time? Just the one time. Um, and it, but for me, you know, if you want to start from the beginning, I remember in 1984 mm. when those videos came on, and it was just. I mean, it, it, I was just getting into music in general, just thinking. Well, not music, but cool music, not the lame stuff my parents listen <laughs> right. to. Right. Um, you know, just like, you know, who are these guys? They, they were just, they were crazy. And, you know, Eddie Van Halen was just such a magnetic person, just the way that he played. But mm -hmm. also, it just seemed like, you know, he was just this happy, fun-loving guy. He was having fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is weird because when you talk to the people in the band... He was miserable, but yeah, you talk to anybody else, you know, every other tribute I've heard is, oh, he was such a fun guy. He was so great. Mm -hmm. He was always, you know, he was always happy-go-lucky. Right. <laughs> well, you can't overstate how important MTV was to us, to our generation at that time. You know, uh, 83, 84, really into the 88, 89, I feel like MTV was still just really awesome. You know, they, yeah. the national jukebox basically, 
but it comes with video. And those three videos from 1984, Jump in the Studio, um, where they're just kind of playing it, Panama, where they're on stage and they're dangling by a wire on yep. stage, and then, of course, the Hot for Teacher video. It showed this party world while, you know, also showing the virtuosity of Eddie Van Halen and it's the cool frontmanness of like this is all I do is be really cool all the time David Lee Roth right right and if you'll remember correctly back in back in 1984 there was no rhyme or reason to MTV just stuff came on right but right. I, what I loved about the Panama video was the plane at the beginning mm-hmm. there was just that random plane so you knew oh this is it hold on I, I can get ready I can turn the TV up I can I can pay attention it didn't take you that you know you didn't miss two minutes of it because you were doing something else That's you right. knew that was it yeah no and they needed content and if you had good content they would play it and they would play it kind of every couple of hours really and it wasn't uh, like you said, it was cool music. It, it, a, it wasn't what your parents listened to, but B, it wasn't just pop music, you know, and there was right. a lot of synth pop and stuff like that. Cool pop music, yes, but, you know, they put Gary Newman on there. And yeah, that's a pop song, and that's cool to have, you know, <laughs> 10 different keyboards in the same song at the same time, I guess. But then, like, see these Southern California guys who still play their instruments and, you know, and we're having fun. Look like they're having a blast. Yeah, I mean, a big impression. Although it's funny you say that with, same with Gary Newman, you know, in car, and he's just got that deadpan. And then you've got Roth, who's, you know, doing high kicks <laughs> and the sword and the, you know, the, the, yeah, just, yeah, just the front man, like, energy and the, the kind of the, the prototype for if you want to be big, that's that's the guy to look for. That's right. You you get the superstar guitar player, the one with the chops, the you know the uh, the actual musician, the virtuoso, and then you get the front man. You know, it's and the two of them together make something very good. You know, what did Eddie do for guitar playing in general? Um, I mean, the way he did the, the finger tapping and stuff that nobody else really did. I mean, it, it, you know, he got people like Richie Blackmore, who thought he was the greatest guitar player in the world, to actually want to go check him out, right? You know, people say, I got to go see this kid Van Halen play. Which is why that list that you said from Rolling Stone, where he was like, I don't know, like the 12th guitarist in the <laughs> world, like, come on. It's not, yeah. no. We no. can talk about I mean, I, that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that I guess if you want to talk about like you know, were there people who were technically you know technically better? Like, is there somebody who could pick up? You could say you could just call out anything and they could play it, maybe. But if you talk about somebody who was dynamic, mm-hmm. somebody that made everybody stop and say, "Whoa, wait, what, what's what's happening here?" What is changed this? the game, right? Correct. Suddenly, Correct. guitar players had to be able to shred and play more notes in a you know in the time allotted. And interestingly enough, he learned it from Steve Hackett. Of, of Genesis fame because he would take his nail fingernail or a pick or a, or a plectern as they call them over here take your pick and you know hammer it on there and then use your finger and Eddie you know who's kind of happy and goofy I've seen him in interviews being like hey before me nobody was doing it and now everybody's doing it um, but apparently he saw us hack and do it at a Genesis show and then he picked that up but obviously took it to the next level um, and and no one's accusing really him of ripping him off. It's, it's, it's just something that evolved and was pretty special. But you're right. I mean, 
back to so everyone you know they have these lists all the time right um these lists of greatest you know songs of the century and you know um greatest guitar players 500 best albums of all time and it's just a conversation starter i guess right i mean not everyone's gonna say oh yeah london calling by the clash that's absolutely the best record and, and obviously, we as Americans, we have problems with Rolling Stone, right? I mean, yes, it's kind of the paper of record, but they're also they're kind of snobby and they kind of miss out uh, on some good stuff that a lot of people like. And they push stuff that people just don't like, unless maybe you're from Greenwich Village, you know, and you're just trying to get back at your parents or something by hating everything. You're in the know. You know yes. It's like, I only like this because three other people know about it. Sure, right, someone right. in the Midwest hears about it. It's crap, you know. <laughs> I've lost interest, you know. That's that's why the Talking Heads get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as soon as they're eligible, and you know, Kiss has to wait fifteen years, you know. But I do remember back to the we were talking about when you first heard it on in nineteen eighty four, and mm. then you know you were somebody had a tape, and you know you played it at recess or whatever. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, these guys have more music you're talking about that could right. possibly. And then that's when you really opened the treasure chest and said, oh, my goodness, here is here it is. And I was thinking about it too, like I wasn't around. Well, not that I wasn't around, but I wasn't in the know in 1978 when the debut record came out. But right. I can only imagine when people heard it, it was a collective like, uh, 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 what is this? Wait, that's not a guitar. He's not playing that on the Yes, this is to- this is something totally new. Take everything that you had and throw it out because throw this away. is the new thing. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know, that came out right after punk. You know, so we went from these big where it was the Zeppelin and the 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 Genesis, the yes, the people who have all these intricate, you know, very difficult things to play, straight to just three chords and a cloud of dust, punk, this is what it is, what it's going to be. And then punk faded fairly quickly. I mean, punk wasn't, although there's still punk bands today, you know, punk was at its height for like 76, 77. And by the time 78 came out, it was already kind of fading out. And then here comes... Van Halen, you know, really with a big sea change. And you can see that, you know, not too long after that, you had Blizzard of Oz with Randy Rhodes. And, you know, not too out of that, long after that, you had Iron Maiden and, you know, um, uh, you know some, some more shredding kind of guitar coming out. And it really was a sea change. And it's, it's it, it, you know, like I said, even guys like Richie Black, one of these established people, mm-hmm. if you can make them stop and say... No, that's something new. I mean, the same way I'm sure Hendrix, it was the same deal with that. Everybody collectively stopped and said, this can't be, wait, I got to hear that again. That can't be what I think it is. Right. And just and just the, the mix of having a virtuoso, but also having those songs that people really want to listen to. Like I, I've been listening to that first record, you know, kind of over and over and over again recently. And, I mean, there aren't any low spots. Right. Like that. I mean, there might not, they might not all be your favorite, but there's no song like that. It's crap. No, they're all pretty good. No, that's right. And yes, I mean, because 1984 was when I became, you know, or 83, you know, so I was becoming into music, uh, understanding, you know, what's out there, getting into MTV. That's my introduction to Van Halen is 1984. Obviously, it's a huge record for them. Uh, and it's great to be able to go back and find old records of bands and explore their back catalog and stuff like that. It's something I still love to do this day. Um, and now that I have more budget than I did when I was a kid, plus CDs are cheap as they can be now, uh, I'm not afraid to go buy, you know, 
all of Blue Oyster Cult's old records and then listen through right. them, you know, for a while. But yeah, that first Van Halen record was so groundbreaking. So, I mean, if my huge Van Halen moments are 84 and MTV era Van Halen, then discovering, and I think it was in high school, uh, discovering the first album with Eruption, Back By You Really Got Me, and then, you know, Ain't Talking About Love is a huge and heavy song. And still sounds awesome to this day. And I think that's a lot to do with, um, what's his name, Ted Templeman? Ted Templeman, yeah. I think he really understood what they were trying to do and took them there. He produced everything in the Dave years? He produced 1984. Uh, Yes, he did. Uh, Such amazing output, too. Um, And, you know, obviously they, um, they took a little bit of heat for having some covers, uh, over the years, and I, from what I understand, that was kind of a Roth thing. It's kind of like if you have a famous name, you're already famous. Uh, if you, you know, record a hit song that's already been a hit. Now, it's interesting because I did hear, I saw an interview with Eddie uh, talking about the 5150 Studios. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, of course, there's the famous story of he built it with the, I think the permits say racquetball court or something like that <laughs> on there. And they're like, why are you building this? Three feet, you know, reinforced concrete. Well, oh, I'll, I'll play late at night. And I don't want to wake anybody up. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. But he said he built that because of those cover songs. He was like, he didn't like them. He said, if I'm, I want my own place. So if I, if even if everybody tells me to go jump in the lake, I can still have a place to record anything I want. I'm, no one's going to tell me what to do. So, and and it's funny now when you think of, you could record a song in your garage with Pro Tools on your phone, mm-hmm. but back then that was like he's doing what? That's crazy. Yeah. He's got his own studio. No, no one has their own studio. And and then well, and then you mentioned that you mentioned the, the covers. So Diver Down is the album that came out before 1984. Correct. And they took some flack for Diver Down um, because it was a short record. I mean, I I feel like it was only 33 minutes or something like that. Um, And usually 42 to 44 or 5 was kind of the norm um, as LPs were, you know, the main format of, of purchasing music. And, of course, cassettes were rising at that time. CDs had maybe just come on the market. Nowadays, you know, if you don't give them an hour or thereabouts, people feel like, hey, come on, guys. Um, and But see, that also had a couple of covers on it, if I'm not mistaken. I know it had Pretty Woman on it. Uh, maybe Dancing it in the had, Streets was on there. It had Dancing in the Streets, right? Um, and it had part of what became, you know, Eddie's solo um, that he would play live over the years. Cathedral. Cathedral, right. He would, yeah. That would be kind of the break between like Mean Streets and Eruption um, would be Cathedral. Um, so, but their version of Pretty Woman was pretty darn good. Um, and it kind of had a funny video to it. That, yeah, I, I, I saw that recently. Like, that's really like who that, but the, again, that was kind of a, like a video in their first, you know, we have to have like random things happening. Like, wow, well, okay. Right. I can imagine they just showed up. I'm sure Dave was all about it, and the rest of the guys were like, uh, okay, whatever you say, sure. Yeah, but it contributed to their image, you know, it contributed to, you know, their their kind of playful, fun Southern California image that they promoted, uh, and that was, that was great, you know. Um, so that was actually one that it was, I listened to probably the third most, with 1984 and the first album being the most, which I can go over and over and over on. Um, but I ended up buying that one 
in high school, partially because of the cathedral, partially because of Pretty Woman on it, because it was just such a good good one. And it took me a while to get back to two and fair warning and women and children first. And then of course came the Sammy years. And I've never, I mean, a lot of people have changed lineups over the years. A lot of people have switched out some pretty key components of their band over the years. But I don't think any lead singer change or change of anybody in a band ever has been as controversial or got so much attention as the Dave versus Sammy thing. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, because you have to remember that, I mean, 1984 was the biggest record that they'd ever had to that point. I sure. mean, they were they were firing on all cylinders, and then all of a sudden the whole thing just falls apart. And then I believe Dave had put out at least Crazy from the Heat first. Yes. And so it was like, well, I mean, I could, he doesn't need these guys anymore. He's doing it great. And, and, and again, for me, in 1986, I wasn't, you know, kind of getting into me. So it's like Sammy Hagar, like, yeah, I mean, I can't drive 55. I mean, I've mm-hmm. heard of him before, but is this the deal? And then the record came out and it didn't sound anything like what they'd done before. Well, that's right. I mean, now you'd seen them put a little bit more keyboard in starting with, you know, Diver Down and then obviously 1984. But then once they got to 5150, it was pretty prominent. Um, the yes. keyboards, um, and and you would think that you know because Sammy is a good guitar player in his own right, you would think they may have gotten a little heavier, and they actually kind of went the opposite way. Now I do think that's kind of the way that pop rock music was going at the time, but when you think about Dave went out and got Steve Vai um, to be in his band, um, and D- Billy Sheehan, Billy and, Sheehan, uh, you know of Mr. Yeah. Big fame and, and other bands, obviously you know, was in his band, you know, he's getting top-notch A-list hard rockers. Van Halen's still filling arenas and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it did get softer, I guess you could say. There's still some good hard rock, some still amazing guitar work by Eddie in there. Sammy is a better singer than Dave as far as has a better range and can hit more notes and all that kind of stuff. But better isn't always better. Sometimes it's just the best fit, right? I mean... Anyone can outsing Vince Neil, but if you put him in Motley Crue, it's not going to sound right, you know. Correct, correct, and and it's it was it's interesting to see, and I and I don't know, maybe it was just Sammy just kind of came in and took over the whole thing, but to see that change, but for whatever reason, it worked in 1986. Everything just clicked. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're going here, and again, you like you said, they didn't miss a beat. They were still selling out. They were on those Monsters of Rock tour. I mean, they were all over MTV at that point in time. I mean, it's, it's insane. Now, it's an interesting fact, actually, that you know, all the Dave albums, the first six albums, none of them went to number one. Uh, 1984 went to number two. Uh, but I mean, it had to compete with, you know, Thriller and, you know, uh, a couple other big albums out at the time, yeah. you know, eventually, you know, Born in the USA and stuff like that. But all four Sammy records, um, 5150, OU812, Four Lawful Carnal Knowledge and Balance, all went to number one. Well, and, well, and that, that Balance record was not a number one record, but... No, it it's, it's the... the one I don't have. Uh, I have yeah. every Van Halen record except that one. And Van Halen three because I mean I don't even I don't even know if Wolfgang has a copy of that. Uh, it's not like they have to play anything from it in concert and he has to you know bone up on it or anything. 
Um, so yeah, uh, don't don't have that one. Um, that was a bad deal. I mean, if because I remember when that record came out, and I was I was driving home from work one day, and this, this song came on, and I was like, what What is this? This mm-hmm. sounds a lot like Van Halen. And it sounds like, but it sounds like the person that's singing it is trying to sound like Sammy Hagar, but it's not Sammy Hagar. Mm. And then I look, oh no, it's the new Van Halen with Gary Sharon. I'm like, oh, that, I think that was a case of, like when Sammy came in, he put his stamp on the band. This is what we're doing. And I think when Sharon showed up, they were like, here's what we're doing. Here's what we want you to do. And 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 I kind of, th- I mean, I don't know Gary Sharon personally, but. I kind of think that he he got a hose a little bit because I think he's a good singer. I just think he wasn't a good fit for the band. Right, right. I, he was just basically a, a hired hand. They said, "Okay, here's here's what you sing. Get in there and do it." Right, and they were friends, or they had the same management. So, like, hey, this will work, and maybe on paper it looked good, but uh, it just it didn't it didn't sync. Also, by that time, I mean that was that's like the mid to late '90s, and and music had had changed a little bit, you know, and. Van Halen was huge, really, from the time they came on the scene until Sammy left. I mean, think about when we were in college. In college, the the foreign lawful carnal knowledge was that, huge. That was a, yeah, that was a giant record. Huge, huge, huge. And then they had the live album, their first live oh, wow. album, right here, right now, and it was huge. You know, those videos were on MTV all the time. You know, that was enormous. And so you know, you think after. After that, there's going to be kind of a letdown. There's a big, big one, then a big live album, a couple of big tours. Okay, then balance doesn't work out fine. But then, yeah, the band changed. And what's incredibly disappointing, as we've talked about before, is nothing really happened after that. There, there really isn't any new Van Halen. There isn't much for the last 25 years. And I understand once you got into the early 2000s, and in the last decade, it's not worth it to make records if you can't sell them, right? Because it's too expensive to make them and then package them and ship them. And everybody just downloads them for free. It doesn't make sense for them to necessarily do it. But you would think with Van Halen in that they still are a big enough draw to sell them, whether it's digital downloads or the physical product that I still like to buy, like CDs and uh, people like LPs, I suppose. You know, I, I just... I, I kind of don't get what was he up to all those years, 25 years. 65 is, it's a full life. It's a little short. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people who live longer than that, even rock and rollers. All the rest of his band is still alive. So, you know, he died a little young. And to think that the last 20, 25 years were wasted to some degree is sad. I think I think he had a lot of personal problems. I mean, he he got divorced. He I think he was he a lot more of a drunk than anybody really realized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of there. I've seen a couple of things like there's a Nam show that he went to where they were they were you know one of the new amps or something came out that he was demoing and he was just almost incoherently drunk. Now. The funny thing was he couldn't talk really, like he was kind of rambling. But once he picked that guitar up, it was, you know, on the mm-hmm. I mean, that he never missed a beat there. But I think he had a lot of personal problems, and I think maybe not having a direction in life for somebody like that mm-hmm. is just, you know, like maybe you go over to his house and be like, "What's what are we going to get today?" You know, <laughs> like you open the door, right? <laughs> Because I know Sammy said when he was getting divorced from Valerie or when they were having problems, it was mm-hmm. just, I mean, he that's 
took up the bulk of his time. And then, yeah, maybe you just wander around. But it's sad because, and and I know like back in the day they had that no working with other people packed. But I mean, I can't believe he didn't, you know, produce something or, you know, guest on something or write music for somebody else. I don't know. Or even write classical music like Billy Joel's written classical piano concertos and stuff like that just because he was bored. Sure. I mean, I, I, I just see Eddie Van Halen as somebody who was just constantly like every time you talk to him, he'd be like, hey, I'm working on this. Or right. something like this. But and he played uh, the yeah, piano, I too. I mean, he, he could right. compose other things. Yeah. So you would hope that he has a vault that Wolfie can get into and, and start to pick some stuff out and pull some things together. I mean, like when Prince passed away, it was like he had a thousand songs in the vault. Like you, you could pull together so many Prince records going forward. He could have more posthumous albums than Tupac, um, right. you know, but so hopefully there's, there's some of that somewhere in the vaults. We, we talked about this a little bit before, but I'd really like to hear, you know, if they've got demo stuff, even if it's just raw, just I mean, just for the thought process or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think if Wolfie is, in fact, in charge of this now, he's got a lot of work ahead of him potentially. Because I mean, you could they could they could start with. I mean, you could have anniversary editions for all those records. Put you know live stuff, demo stuff, you know interviews, something on there, and then start working on the Sammy stuff and just yeah, I mean it could almost be. And I would love to have that job. So Wolfie, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, uh, <laughs> please you know give me a buzz. I will come. I will comb through everything. Uh, we can work uh, with whomever you want to work with. Uh, let's put the Van Halen archive project together, man. It'd be a lot of fun. That would be fantastic, and I think there are enough people like us that would say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't care what it is. If it's new, if I've never heard it before, let's take a listen." Because I've never heard anything from him that was like, "Ooh, that sound that sounds flat." He was off. It was all just like, it's like he could have a conversation with you oh, and right. play at the same time. It's like he's like he's just moving his arm. It's like it's a part of him. He was so proficient at it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's how the greats are, I guess. They they make it look so easy um, when what they're doing is so hard. Uh, it's so special uh, and so inspiring. Well, let's talk about them live a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I saw them twice on the uh, the Red Album tour, um, once in Indy, where I got a T-shirt. Um, but in Orlando, we couldn't. Do you remember that? That they had some kind of beef with the Orlando Arena oh, Management. Oh, that's right. And you couldn't, they, they just didn't sell t-shirts. It was like, we're going to take 30% or something. Like, no, you're not. We just won't sell t-shirts here. You know, too bad. I thought, yeah, because we I mean, you had cash in hand. Mm-hmm. Even though we had no cash, we had whatever it was scrounged up. And then it was like, wait, where are the, yeah, what's going on here? I don't like this. Because back in the day, it was like, I need a souvenir from every show that I ever go to. And this is Van Halen. And, um... I remember it was kind of cool because on the back, they, they didn't just have like all the cities. They had, it was Thursday, August the 12th, 1991, Deer Creek, Indianapolis. Like it was it was that big on the back. I'm like, and they probably did that forever too. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll get an Orlando one or maybe I'll get a little bit different one this time. I don't know. And then when they didn't have it, I was like, oh man, really? I even had, and I wore, of course, because this is what you do. I wore the, the shirt that I wore to the first concert the second concert that we went to and I had at least four different people stop me on the concourse like hey man where'd you get that t-shirt you know because they were doing the same oh, thing that's right that's right I remember that yeah everybody's all, yeah everybody's in the same boat okay so I must I must have missed it it's it's down the next hallway or it's around the corner or something and I'm like no, no look, look at the back man I got this in Indy 
And I remember Alice in Chains opened for them. And, you know, Alice in Chains was one of those bands that, you know, looking back, I'm really glad I had the chance to see them when they were all alive. Is at the time, I was kind of like, I just want to see Van Halen, really. I don't care who opens for them. Um, and I did see them twice. Uh, but uh, but they were they were good. Um, they were good live. Um, usually they make the opening act sound kind of bad to make the, the headliner sound good, but I thought they sounded good. And they ran out in their underpants later, which was exciting. Did they? Yeah, it was it was something goofy where they ran out on stage, and I don't. I it looked to me like Van Halen didn't even really realize what was happening at first, and then it was like, wait, what is going on here? And they were just being goofy, and it was just it was kind of a cool moment because for a show that's that big mm-hmm. and that staged to see something that was impromptu yeah. was kind of cool. But I remember I remember watching that show and, and you knew at that point in time you knew what the solo was going to be. You knew it was going to be, you know, part of Eruption, part of Mean Street, part of Cathedral, all the all those deals, but it was still awesome to see live and hear live because just the, the just the joy that he had still playing that stuff was awesome like it wasn't the cool thing too was it wasn't like oh look what i can do i'm so much better it's like hey this is really cool check it out like it was almost exactly. like your friend who learned how to play something and it was like oh yeah no and, and then i could do this and it was smiling you know, some stuff. people you get like, like oh I'm, I'm so much better than you are watch me you'll never do this he just always had that joy he did he certainly did on stage i guess it was off stage where he he kind of struggled there well now the, speaking of the the guitar solo so yes that guitar solo, by the time we saw it in 1991, he had that down pretty well. And I saw, they released a video, an old VHS, um, in 1987 from the 5150 tour called Live Without a Net. Uh, and it was filmed in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, which no, it wasn't. It wasn't? No. No. That night? Uh-huh. That was, that was New Haven, Connecticut. Well, right, right. That's what Sammy <laughs> said. On the microphone. This is New Halen, New Halen, Connecticut. Hey, he said the name of the town where we are. <laughs> they didn't release that as an album. They didn't release a live album until right here, right now. And I always wanted to have a Van Halen live album. My father, uh, when we moved to Florida, he had gotten from his buddy who had an RCA dealership a killer audio video system. Or the TV, the VCR, the CD player, the tape deck, all ran in the stereo. So you could record stuff from CD to tape, uh, but you could also record stuff from VHS to tape. And a lot of people record stuff from CD to tape to make mixes, but, but not many people had the ability to take the VCR and, and turn that into a cassette. And so I did that for Live Without a Net. And it, you know, everybody gets their own solo and everything. Um, and we got all of Eddie's solo, which um, I, I think went 316 Mean Street, Cathedral, and then Eruption, if I'm not mistaken. And so you can pick all those out. Here's something I learned not too long after that, is that, well, we've, we already complained about Rolling Stone, right? Um, I found out later that just because something's in print doesn't make it true. Which, when you're a kid growing up, you know, you're reading Rolling Stone or you're reading anything, really, a, a newspaper, a magazine, you kind of believe what you, what you read, right? So why would they write it if it weren't true? And I remember reading a review for a Van Halen concert from the Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge Tour. And it was obviously somebody who really wasn't a big fan. 
Um, you kind of like, well, you know, Van Halen's past their prime, and I have to do this. You know, it's probably a big Cure fan. You know, who Jan Wenner, you know, promised them. You know, it's, they could see Morrissey. They could cover the Morrissey concert if they went to cover Van Halen because they didn't have anybody else to do it. So, um, you know, uh, and, and and just putting how flat they were. And, you know, then he said, and adding to his solo 316 off the new album. Where I'm like, no, jerkwad. He's been doing that for at least six years. You know, and then he put it on the record because after Wolfgang was born on March 16th, 316, that's something he used to play to help him go to sleep. But it was not new. It had been around for years and years, and I had audio tape of it. I used to ride around in my car, my old Mustang, with my Blaupunkt, playing that tape over and over and over. Why send somebody who doesn't want to go, right? I mean, I know sometimes you get assigned to stuff, and yeah, I do this all the time. I'm not going to stay for the whole show. Just let me go. See what you know the hubbub's about. See a couple of the best songs. Judge the crowd, and then I'll go. But you know, wh- why send a someone who doesn't care about the band at all to go see them? I don't. It doesn't make sense. To that me. that makes no sense because why would you? I mean, unless like you said, it's it's Rolling Stone and we're above all of this. But mm-hmm. I would think you'd want to send somebody who was like that was a great show or who would critique it as a fan also. You know, I, I can't, I've been waiting to see this. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if there was something that happened that was, that was not exciting, then they would have said it, but in a more of an, a fan's point of view, but back to your live without a net, I've watched that. I don't know, I've watched it a million times, but mm-hmm. if I was sitting there in the crowd in 1986, I'd have been upset because I didn't pay money to see Eddie Van Halen play the keyboards. Right. And there was exactly. a lot of that on that tour. And, and you know, Sammy's a great guitar player. He's fantastic, but he's not Eddie Van Halen, and that's why I'm here. That's right. And, it was, and I can't, I don't think it was that tour, but I saw another one where Sammy was playing the kind of the, the rhythm part, and it let Eddie do more like improv stuff. And he should stay away from that because that was all of the map. It was more like, okay, no, you're good at, you know, the lead riff. The, the solo and then back into the song. If I let you wander around, you're just noodling on the guitar, mm-hmm. and that's that's not what I want to see either. Um, so that was that was just a great that was just a great tour, and they, you know, right now is on that album. Uh, yeah, I think that was, a, that was a good mix. That was a good mix of having the back catalog, but mm-hmm. also you were excited to see the the material off the new record. Right, and, and most bands will do three, four, five songs off their new record, and they had you know three or four hits off their new record, so that's pretty great. You know, plus they had a couple of Sammy albums, and then they've got all the Dave albums that they can do stuff from. So I, I just I remember both of those being a lot of fun and just being excited. Now in two thousand four, when I saw them the third time, that was with Sammy. Okay. Um, but apparently, I just read this, Michael Anthony was a hired musician on the tour. He wasn't, you know, part of the band, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm not going to lie to you, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But uh, anyway, because this is the first tour they've done since Van Halen 3, which basically nobody saw. You know, I mean, they had to cut some dates short, you know, and, and they played smaller venues. And this is like, finally, they're back, you know. Thank goodness, kind of thing, and it just didn't didn't work out that way, um, unfortunately. 
that it makes that makes no sense to me. It'll never make sense to me why somebody with when you've got that much money to not just say I don't even care. Just get in here, you know, you're part of the family. This whole hired gun thing is I mean unless it the, the maybe you know when Dave came back cuz it had been so long mm-hmm. and it, you know he'd been so far out of the loop, but I mean in 19 what was that 2000 well no 2004, I mean Michael Anthony had technically never been out of the band. Why right. would you do that to him? I don't know. And again, no one's ever had a bad word to say about Michael Anthony. He's just the coolest, chillest guy you're ever going to be. That's right. So, so I did see them in 2004, and Sammy was back. So it was, it was kind of a classic, not obviously not the classic with Dave, but classic lineup. And I think Wolfie came out to help out on a couple of things, maybe. Cool stage. You know, hadn't heard anything from them in years. And here they are. I saw them in an amphitheater. They're in arenas and amphitheaters, big shows and stuff like that. Really, uh, it, was, it wasn't quite what it had been when you and I saw them. It had been 13 years. But still pretty darn good. Sammy was still having fun, putting his arm around Ed again. You know, they're, they're doing great. Now, when I saw them the last time, which was with Dave and Wolfie, they weren't bad. They were technically still great live. Eddie was still really great. Alex was great. I, I won't say that... Wolfie isn't as visually dynamic as Mike, but I don't think he was bad sonically. But they were definitely missing something. It wasn't that great. And I'll tell you, I I have done a lot of reviews for Ticketmaster over the years. I'm like a I was a top fifty reviewer for Ticketmaster for a couple of years there. Not because of the quality, just because of the number they would actually publish, I guess, or, or allow on there. And um. And, and part of the reason is because I'm very positive and I give a lot of fours and fives because I go see bands I like and I expect them to be good and then they are. On this one, I only gave Van Halen a three because I just didn't think they were as good and Cool and the Gang opened for them and I thought Cool and the Gang were way better. I thought they were better than, than Van wow. Halen. Uh, I even put that in my review and believe it or not, they did not post that review. <laughs> but see now that's interesting because going back to the the Rolling Stone thing, I mean, you went into that show excited, mm-hmm. and then they kind of let you down a little bit. So it wasn't like, oh well, you know, it, it was. I, I'm coming from a place of genuine excitement, and then your expectations were not met. Right. Instead of this guy going, I can't believe I have to go see Van Halen. I could be at the Talking Heads tonight with 53 <laughs> other people. and flaming lips are playing in a garage and somewhere and I yeah. could be there. You know, television I mean, and, and is reunited for one night only, you know, <laughs> in my friend's basement and I can't even go because of this stupid Van Halen show with 20,000 people. But I mean, that could have been a, that could have been a factor too that, uh, you know, that Dave was a paid member at that point in time and you know it, i'm sure that they there were memories coming back of okay now i remember why we didn't work with this guy anymore and mm-hmm. i mean you remember the mtv thing when they did the greatest hits record and that was just a disaster because they disaster. again were like well maybe we'll get uh now i remember now, <laughs> now i remember why it's did like, it you know, work in the first place <laughs> Going out, a day, going on a date with your ex girlfriend, and saying, oh, "I remember now why we don't we broke up." Okay, oh boy. So, but back to the singers then. Okay, so you got this guy Dave, dynamic frontman, helped make you into this one of the biggest, best rock bands in the world. Then you get a seasoned veteran, Sammy, in who's definitely different, 
but brings something else and makes it even bigger in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, you sell millions and millions of records. You do huge, huge tours with Sammy. All right, now that doesn't work anymore. Now we have to get a third guy. Okay, that didn't work at all. No one wanted that. Just It's just too different. So they're like, okay, we're not retiring. So what do we do? We can't go for a fourth one. No one, no one went for the third one. We can't go for a fourth one. Now we got to go back to one of the others. So enough time has passed. It was like, let's go ahead and see if the whole day thing will work. I'm sure one or 200 people from the record company suggested that to them once Carrie Cherone thing didn't work, right? Hey, we can do a Greatest Hits album. And you know what you could do is see if they might want to sing on one or two of these songs, knowing that if it works, then you could get them back out on the road and make even more money, right? And like you say, all right, let's do a few songs. Oh, my goodness. This is way too much to do with Roth. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Although I saw the circle on Howard Stern with Sammy mm-hmm. and Mikey, and this was about the time when things were real bad. When you know you had Eddie Van Halen saying that you know Michael Anthony never knew how to play, and he taught him everything he knew and everything. And and the thing about it, Stern kind of he kind of pushed that, and Michael Anthony wouldn't say, "Oh well, you know." But I mean, he just would never. The perfect opportunity. You got the mic. Mm-hmm. You got the questions thrown at you. You could just sit there and rip it. No, nah, not interested in. in you know, sour grapes or anything like that. I'm like, wow, that dude is a class act Mm -hmm. all the way. He just seems like a fun guy. Like fans come up to him and he's like, yeah, man, come here. I'll sign something for me. Or or he's he's like, I stopped a guy at a stoplight who was, had some kind of Van Halen bootleg he was listening to in his car. Instead of going, Hey man, you're ripping me off. He's like, Hey man, can I get a copy that, you know, I'll trade you. I'll sign something for you. Can I get that? You know, it's like, give me that. So, yeah, and, and anytime I see him backstage, he's happy to hear stories. Of course, my wife, who's spent a lot of time at the Jack Daniels Distillery in, um, in Tennessee. Oh, that's right, yeah. Has, you know, has talked about how they, he worked with them to get the graphics for his bass just right. And, you know, they made him a squire and, and things like that. And how psyched he was to be there in general, you know. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And, and, and I will never understand how you could be so successful and so beloved by people and then just be miserable in your personal life. I don't get it. And I, it makes me sad because he, he was so beloved. Mm-hmm. He really was. And it admired. And I mean, changing rock guitar forever. There's very few people who can, you can say that about, you know, I mean, you have to go back to people like Les Paul and, you know, BB King and, it's very rare to see someone who really did change the game that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's sad, and it's sad that he's gone, and that we won't get any more new music from him. But like like I said, hopefully Wolfgang, uh, once you know he gets past this year, can start to to thumb through some of that stuff. And you know what? I bet Mike would help him. I bet Mike has no hard feelings towards Wolfie. Um, and and that and that's another thing of how where where does it go from there? I mean, is is Alex Van Halen done? I mean, I've never it, it really always seemed to me like the 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 rift between everybody was Eddie. Everybody loves Al, everybody loves, you know, Mikey. Sammy doesn't seem like he has a bad word to say about Alex. It's always it was always Eddie. So now that he's passed, 
is there, you know, can they get back together? Can they, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, a tour or whatever, but can they get back together? Like socially, can they, mm. can they get together and take what's, what's left of the catalog and work on it? I, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it always seemed like he was the problem. Well, that's what we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. So we can go back to the, the list. So I think I sent you two lists. One was like a guitar world, greatest guitarist of all time. And one was a Rolling Stone, greatest guitarist of all time. And it's good to see different perspectives. And I think Guitar World is, in fact, a UK publication. Obviously, okay. they're going to have different opinions, you know, their own people. There may be some English guitarists that are ranked a little more highly here, and maybe we rank some American guitarists more highly. Um, plus, it's not, a, it's not apples to oranges in that Rolling Stone did one to 100. And then... Guitar World did, all right, here's the 25 best rock guitars over time. And then here's the best 15 metal guitars. And here's the 10 best blues guitars. And then here's the 10 best right now. And then here's the, you know, 10 best acoustic, you know, and all that. So it's, it's not exactly apples to apples. And um, I think that uh, on the Guitar World, Eddie was about fourth. And on Rolling Stone, he's about eighth or ninth, something yeah. like that. And for the most part, you know, again, this is really just to start conversations. It's hard to say, no, Jeff Beck's better than Eddie Van Halen. No, Eddie Van Halen's better than Jeff Beck. Well, you know, <laughs> you're kind of splitting hairs there. It's, it's really hard. It's kind of like, are they all top 10? Yes. Okay. Um, but they had number one on the Guitar World one, Brian May. And I just said, nope. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm sorry. And I've never been a huge Queen fan. I'm, I'm okay with Queen. Like, just because they had a big movie come out recently doesn't mean he, all of a sudden he's better than Jimi Hendrix, you know? That's, and he would say that, too. Uh, and it's like, mostly it's consistent. It's like, Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page are up there. Jeff Beck's up there, you know. Um, Eddie's up there. Angus, and, and I think the guitar world put Angus and Malcolm together kind of as an entry you know, uh, and then there's, you know, there's guys like B.B. King and, you know, stuff like that who are going to be up there. George Harrison gets up there kind of high. Carlos Santana gets up there high. But, you know, Brian May is in top 10 and you put him number one. I'm like, that's just, that's, I'm sorry. That's nuts. That's wrong. You would really have a hard time convincing me anybody other than Hendrix is not number one. Only because, again, he's, he took it to a whole nother level. And, and, and I say that because even if you asked Eddie Van Halen, he would say, no, it, I, I wanted to play because of Jimi Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix. He was the one that, it, you know, opened the door. So, I mean, to me, it's, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, you know, and then you can, you know, one and one A is if you want to do it that way. I was just going through the list and just seeing how many times I'd seen, how many of them I'd seen and how many times I'd seen them all. And I, I'd see more than 30 of them. Oh, all right. And, uh, and, you know, all the numbers add them all up. It was more than 100 shows, you know. So I, I know what I like, and apparently there's a little pedigree to what I like as well. Unless it's all bogus, <laughs> which is kind of what I'm getting at. So, Well, that wraps it up for the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast this week. From London, I'm the Wolf Mac B, and from stateside, that's Gary Action Jackson. Hey, did you hear something you like? You hear something you didn't like? Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Hey, let us know. You can tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf. And check out our show next week where we do a 2020 in review, what it meant to rock music, 
We take a look and memorialize the folks we've lost this year, including Neil Peart of Rush. And then we get into some holiday gift ideas for all those hard rockers out there. Uh, So from the wolf, be cool and be safe. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hanson, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.